I am the true vine. My father is the vine grower. You are the branches. What a beautiful metaphor this is for the relationship between God and the community of faith. It's not a new metaphor. Its roots have long been established in our faith heritage. Israel, the chosen people of God, are likened to a vineyard throughout the Hebrew scriptures. Israel is a luxuriant vine that yields its fruit, the prophet Hosea says. God, through the prophet Jeremiah, reminds Israel, I planted you a choice vine from the purest stock. The prophet Isaiah croons on behalf of God, let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. This is an image that would have resonated deeply with the first century church that John's gospel addresses, a church made up primarily of Jews who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And it's an image that would have profound meaning for the disciples to whom Jesus reassures in what biblical scholars refer to most often as his farewell discourse. In the verses and chapters leading up to our reading today, Jesus has just had supper with those closest to him. He's demonstrated his love for them through the intimate act of washing their feet, something that at the same time confuses them and humbles them. Jesus has announced to them that he's going away somewhere to a place where they cannot follow. They're not sure what to think about all this. They have followed him faithfully for three years now at much personal cost, and now he's just leaving? What are they supposed to do? So Jesus paints a picture for them. He paints a beautiful image of what their lives can be as they remain committed to God, committed to each other, committed to the love that God calls them to share, committed to him, Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, and to his mission in the world. He paints a stunning image of mutual commitment between God, Jesus, and Christ's body, the church. Abide in me as I abide in you. Jesus says to his disciples, dwell in me, live in me. Other translations read, remain in me as I remain in you. Jesus is committed to his disciples and to the mission that only they can fulfill now that he's going away. Today and next Sunday, we are revisiting our Why Church Worship series for the five weeks in September, we explored why we church, thinking of church as a verb, right? Something that we actively and intentionally participate in or do. We talked about why we worship. We talked about why we serve, why we give, why we tell. All spiritual disciplines that form us into, into our God-given identities and equip us to fulfill our God-given purpose. 
This week and next, we wonder, why commit? Why should we commit to church? On March 24, 2001, James Michael Beadle and I <laughs> made a commitment before God and everyone to join our lives in holy matrimony. James and I both have since wondered if maybe we shouldn't have instead just been committed. It had, <laughs> yeah. it had been a relatively short courtship, especially considering the distance between us. I lived in North Carolina, he lived in Texas. When we got married, not only did we both say, I do, but James quit his job, moved across the country to live with me in Charlotte. Before our very first wedding anniversary, I was pregnant with Michaela, and I had just gotten him a dog for his birthday, more commitment. And before Michaela's first birthday, we had both quit our jobs, moved back across country to live in Texas, bought a house. By the time Michaela was a year and a half old, we were expecting our second child, Zeg. We were committed. At that point, we were all in. Not long after that, I asked James's mom and dad if early in their marriage had they ever thought, we've made a huge mistake. They both said immediately and emphatically, yes which made me extremely relieved. Because as the, at the time that we asked the question, James, mom and dad had clearly grown to become a very happy couple who loved each other deeply. At that point in time, James and I were not quite there yet. How did you make it? We asked. It was a long conversation, but the bottom line, commitment. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine grower, Jesus proclaims. The vine grower is deeply committed to the vineyard. Establishing and caring for a vineyard is not for the faint of heart. It is labor intensive to say the least. First, the soil has to be all dug up. The rocks have to be cleared away. A tall hedge has to be planted or a wall built in order to keep predators out. A watchtower is erected so that any threats can be detected early and averted. And a booth is built where the vine grower can lodge, especially during busy times of the season when they can't go home at night to sleep. Only after all this are the choicest vines planted, tended, nourished. And as they grow, the vine grower ensures their health by shaping them through pruning and thinning the branches so that they might bear the sweetest and juiciest of fruit at some point in the future. The vine grower is committed with an abiding love that cares through extravagant means for the well-being of the vine and its branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me as I remain in you. As I remain in you, Jesus says, he is deeply committed. Jesus doesn't ask anything of us that he doesn't first give. Jesus, the true vine, is committed to his disciples, to us. He remains in us and commands us to remain in him. It's an imperative, y'all. It is not a request. Our commitment to Christ is essential if there is to be any fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing Jesus says. 
At the beginning of our Why Church journey, we said that one of the main reasons we church was so that we could live into our God-given identity and purpose. But without commitment to Christ and to Christ's body, the church, it's impossible, Jesus says. There have been times when both James and I have thought, what in the world were we thinking? In what universe was it a good idea for us to get married? At times, it's been painful. We've both felt the sharp, cutting edge of the pruner's blade as it removed attitudes and attachments and reflexive actions and reactions that we had to one another that threatened the health of our marriage. We've also both been shaped by the sharp edges that he and I have, edges that have been blunted over time by the fruit of love that's grown between us as we have remained, as we've remained in marriage committed to one another, a commitment that we renew daily. Love is the fruit that we are all called to bear. In the verses before ours, Jesus tells his disciples to keep his commandments. The top two of which are to love God and to love neighbor. Love is the fruit the vine grower cultivates by pouring divine and eternal love into the branches through the vine. And by cutting away everything that compromises that love. The church bears the fruit of love. This church bears the fruit of love in amazing ways, shares God's love in vital ways, none of which would be possible without your commitment. For a reminder of all the things that this church does, all of the ways in which it bears fruit, I invite you to look again at this fall newsletter, Why Church? You'll find information about all kinds of ways that this church serves. I want to invite you now to listen to this story of commitment. So let me share a little bit about why Duji and I love this church. This church is predicated on service to the community, and commitment has been that major portion of this that has allowed Duji and I to step forward and to deliver the skills and competencies that we particularly have but we've been able to cobble that together with the competencies of all of the church members. In specific, one of the events that occurred was obviously Hurricane Harvey that uh, we responded to. I got a call from Pastor Tracy asking me would I lead the emergency response team down to Victoria to be a response from this church to the suffering that was going on. I accepted that challenge and then was able to gather commitments from many people in this church to help with both being on the the team who are going into the homes and onto the roofs, as well as the the support of finances, of prayers, of food that was delivered to us. It came in so many different ways. But without that commitment, we would have never been able to help the people in Victoria the way we have. To date, we are now over a hundred homes or In other words, over 100 families that we have served in the Victoria area. Commitment is everybody's duty. And I ask and challenge each of you, would you commit with me? Mm -hmm. 
David, Jim Balthazar, all those. There are so many people in this room right now who have participated in that effort to serve the families in the Victoria area whose homes were devastated as a result of a hurricane that occurred over two years ago. Their commitment for the long haul has allowed for over 100 families to be served, to have their homes restored, just as a result of the work of this community of faith. Remaining committed to one another, to Christ, it's essential. Mutual commitment is essential. The vine grower's commitment to the vine, the vine to the branches, the branches back to the vine. God, Jesus Christ, Christ's body, the church, you and me, all must remain committed if there is to be fruit. And this is how God is glorified. Throughout John's gospel, a recurring theme is that God is glorified through Jesus, through his life and ministry, through his teaching and preaching, through his commitment to God's vision in the world. And now, it is through the body of Christ that God is glorified. Once Jesus goes away, his disciples are the ones who glorify God. My Father is glorified by this, Jesus says, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Commitment is essential if God's vision is to be fulfilled. If divine love is to drench this world, forming and shaping it into the kingdom of heaven, our commitment is essential. There are many ways to demonstrate your commitment within the church. One of them is through membership. I know that joining the church seems so yesterday to many people, but it is one of the ways that we express, that we demonstrate our commitment. When we become members of the church, we are committed to pray for the church and its ministries. We commit to be present in worship and in small groups. We are committing our gifts, our talents and our skills, our time, our financial resources. We commit to serve in the mission and ministries of the church, and we commit to witness, to tell our story of faith, that others might be drawn in, might also become a part of the community. One of the ways that we are facilitating that right now is we're having a newcomer's luncheon. We're having it today after the second service at 12.30 in the library. And anyone who's new or relatively new to the church or who hasn't made that step where they want to join the church yet, you're invited to come. We'll provide a luncheon. We'll talk about the church. We'll talk about what it means to become a member. Take an hour. If you're not able to be at the luncheon, we're having a joining Sunday on the first Sunday of November, November 3rd. So if you have not yet joined the church and are interested, I hope that you'll reach out to me or to Kurt, and we can make that happen at either service on the first Sunday of November. The Stewardship Committee is inviting the church to 100% commitment, 100% participation during our stewardship campaign this year. Currently, we have about 191 families or giving units who give regularly to the church. And of those 191 families, about 141 of them 
um, turned in pledge cards last year. The invitation is that all of the families who are participating regularly in the life of the church would be giving regularly. If it's $5 a week, it's the beginning of a discipline, beginning of a spiritual practice that will form all of us in this community. And we invite anyone and everyone to submit a commitment card. We'll have our commitment Sunday, next Sunday. There'll be an opportunity to bring your commitment card forward and place it on the altar. I hope that each and every one of you will prayerfully consider that this week. If you're already giving, that's wonderful. Prayerfully consider increasing your giving by 1% or 3% or 5%. The more we grow in our commitment to Christ, the more readily we are available to be shaped and formed by the vine grower, that we might bear the best of fruit. The more committed we are to Christ, the more likely we are to become a fruit-bearing vine, the more likely we are to live into our God-given purpose of pouring love and life into a world that desperately needs it the more likely we are to glorify God and bear the sweetest and juiciest of fruit by sharing the most extravagant love with all we encounter. May we all remain in Christ. Amen.